This podcast and its parent website are supported by its listeners and readers. If you enjoy what you hear and read at Ride or Die, please consider supporting our continued creation at patreon.com slash ride or die. Welcome to the Ride or Die podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you were supposed that? to come in, man. No, no, he's waiting. You guys are going in unison, and I was doing. Why don't we just say a funny word that like we do all the time? What? That's the start of the that? show. Right this there. whole thing has been like a, a ruse. We're just going to start. We're just going to start. Gonna start. Yeah, we're just gonna start. If you were a patron, you just witnessed like 35 we're minutes of struggling. That's death Anarchy in the UK. Anarchy. Anna Kendrick. Yes, I am AMSB. I'm Nate. I'm Chris. Wait, is this for Yeah, me? we're yes. actually recording right now. Oh, okay. We, we decided to, to dispense with all of the, the shenanigans and just go the and show start, voting. start the show. Oh, How are you whoa. guys doing? We lost Good. a lot of respect from our listeners. Like I was saying, uh, no, only your patrons. Patrons. Oh, uh, just, if you're a Patreon, you just... <laughs> we fell apart. This, this whole thing. This whole thing is falling apart. It's okay. I, it'll live. still make the noise. Though. Okay, good. Okay. Good. Uh, yeah, if you were a patron, then you just witnessed like 35 minutes of struggling to get an opening, and what you heard is the best opening that we could come yeah. up with. It was not. I had a no. That was the best one. That was, oh, the, best that was the best take. Yes. <laughs> okay, well, this says that we're supposed to hello, banter, and welcome. So, yeah. you know, how's. Hello. What? Yeah. How's it do? So, this awkward opening brought to you by <laughs> Devastator uh, from my. I say this all the time, my neck of the woods, but from Salt Lake City, Utah. You can say that. Uh, Wasatch. Char- it's charming. Is it charming? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, from my I, neck I of the woods. I disagree. Well, okay, well, I'll go with Amos B on this one. From my neck of the woods, uh, the beer is Devastator, the brewery, Wasatch Brewery. Gentlemen. Oh, on the mic. Oh, not <laughs> on the on, important part, though. No, yeah, just on the mic. All right, so my first impression. It's a double bock, and it's 8%. So most people, everyone's like, Thrashing on on Utah beer for having low ABV, which is true of your domestic. I don't. Uh, not your craft beers. What are those? Just domestic, okay. like. What, what would you call um, like a domestic. Bud Light? No, no, just no, domestic. Yeah, yeah it's just domestic. Okay. Yeah, just long necks. Long necks. Mass, mass, mass markets. Your white, yeah, your mass yeah, yeah, markets. Yeah. Your white mm-hmm. trash beers. Uh, but yeah, which is true of those a beers. A lot of people like like Miller Lite and stuff, man. You'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> be cool, man. Be cool. All right. So first impressions. I don't like Utah. Mm. Not a fan. Yeah. Just you, kidding. Utah's you, great. <laughs> it's splendid. Uh, this is a good Never beer. Been. It's, 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 well, I've read. It's a... Devastator. It's heavy, but it's not too heavy. It's 8%, but I haven't seen the papers on that, so I It does, it actually, it I think it does feel a lot heavier than a single block. Like, it feels way heavier than a, than a shiner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it lingers in the throat. Packs a lot of power. Mm-hmm. It truly does. It's got a little sweetness to it. Did you say what the ABV was? Yeah, 8%. Eight? Nice. Ah, oh, good times. It's good. I like it. I like Box a lot. Box a lot. Box a lot. I've never, you know, I spent a lot of time with them. I mean, I drank a lot of Shiners. Yeah, I mean. But I just went from a one Bach to a two Bach just a second ago. Well, no, oh. this isn't a Bach. It's not a Bach? No, it's a, it's it's a, a wing. It's a white. It's a Belgian white. Uh, it's a Belgian <laughs> white. Educated. <laughs> the whites well, do. Uh, the Belgians generally tend to be a little... A little lighter. <laughs> uh, listen, this week we're going to discuss um, artists and the lives they lead, whether or not those lives 
sort of enrich or detract from their art itself. Uh, but first, we're going to tell you what we're stoked for right now, this very moment, in Top of the Moment. Immediately. I will kick us off with uh, something that comes in super handy. Uh, if you do a lot of like technical work uh, or technical reading, it's called Manuals Library. Uh, the website is manuals.lib. That's with an S. Manuals.lib.com. Oh, now, I, I, I honestly have not... Sir, I haven't found something. I've ne- I've never found something that I haven't been able to find. If that makes sense, I've never searched something I haven't been able to find. If <laughs> okay. that makes sense, you've always found what you're looking. I've for. always found what I'm looking for. Very so, good. for example, the first thing that you get when you come here is just a search bar, and I'll just type in my my phone, Apple iPhone six plus, and click search, and you're immediately given all every manual that could potentially be relevant. And every page of that manual, you don't have to download anything. It's all within the browser. Uh, if you click on, I'm just clicking on the first one, the user manual. Uh, if you click on it, you can search within the manual. You can see all the pages. It's just glorious. Oh yeah, this is great. So I I, I searched my car. I did too. And like, <coughs> you searched awesome. MSB's car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the uh, I didn't even think to search cars. Yeah. Well, because like one of the things that I do when I get a new car is I go and I buy the uh, like shop manual for it. Yeah. Um, which are usually you know like two or three hundred pages, and they have like all the detailed explanations yeah. of of all the different things you can fix on it. <laughs> um, it doesn't have that here, but it does have a couple different versions of owner's manuals and the like getting to know you or getting to know your uh, car brochure thing. That's pretty cool though. Yeah, 16,000, or 16,000, uh, 1,600,000 uh, products online, and over 2 million PDF manuals, 44,000 brands, and 3.2 terabytes of data. This is all just information right from the, the front website. That's almost as many uh, likes or listens as a Drake song <laughs> on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, And not true. even a good Drake song. One of the lower-end Drake songs. Yeah. Yeah, this is awesome because I, I also just turned around and searched one of the like the model of monitors that I have on my oh, computer okay. and like it's got everything. Yeah, that's really cool. Acer. So I was just reading through my. That's why I've been a little silent. I've just been reading through my car's manual because it I don't have it anymore. Mm-hmm. It's taken out of my car. Mm. I did not know that I have a six disc CD player in my car. <laughs> Uh, isn't that usually optional? Yeah, if, if it oh, is, is it? you might have it. But yeah. Oh, I might. Generally, okay, it'll just be in the trunk. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, manualslib.com. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, so one of the things that's very top of the moment for me, literally, came out <laughs> yesterday, and I just saw it about an hour ago, is uh, Big Baby Drams, Drums, Big Drums. Baby Drums, Tiny De- NPR Tiny Desk Concert. Um, now... Listeners and friends here in the studio uh, who aren't familiar with Tiny Desk Concerts, um, which I think you all are, it's exactly as the name describes. Mm-hmm. NPR has offices in it. They have a small little quadrant of desks. And what they do is they bring artists in there from all genres, genres, and they have them give a little concert of about four or five songs, depending on the length of yeah. the artist's. Yeah, usual songs. It's Bob Boylan's desk, isn't it? Oh, is it Bob Boylan's yeah. desk? It does say his name back there. Yeah. Um, but it also, like, it just seemed like it could be anywhere. I think it, he probably shares with one of the person who I think also has his name. Yeah. Um, but it's 
it's a really fun it, it's a it's a fun video to watch it's fun to see these artists play in this in such a confined space yeah real intimate yeah not in a studio they don't they don't mic anything do they I mean they they just they okay so the, my first experience with Tiny Desk Concerts was several years ago I think the, one of the first ones I ever watched was Horse Feathers it's a mm-hmm. folk band and that one <clears throat> they didn't have any mic going like there were no vocal mics there were no instrument mics or anything there are some because I think uh, it depends there might have been like there might have been like uh, sort of yeah mics on on big stands yeah yeah, like kind of a little far away but there wasn't anything that like the artist was singing directly into and the mics weren't directly on the instruments or anything drum has at least he has a mic that he sounded like he was yeah yeah. Uh Uh, but you know it's really fun because they also you know with with every song they give a little um, backstory and they talk a little bit about like the song itself um, so the first song on, on drums NPR Tiny Desk was uh, Cash Machine and he talked about how he immediately wrote it after receiving his first big check so it was like instant uh, inspiration uh, and that whole song is about how now he doesn't need he doesn't need you essentially he's got his own money he's got his own cash machine um so it's just really fun. Uh, Drama himself is a really fun artist. Uh, we've talked about him on the podcast here before, his song Cute specifically. I think it's very possible that in pre-shows I've played Broccoli and sang to Broccoli. But it's just really fun to see him in, in this situation. He does, with his massively popular Broccoli, he, you know, he doesn't have Little Yachty there to help him along, but he sings it in a very, like... Um, crooning style. He doesn't rap it. Um, mm. So it's a lot. It's just kind of like a silly version of it. I would recommend it for everybody. I mean, I would recommend uh, Dram for everybody as well. Yeah. Uh, Broccoli, 281 million listens on nice. Spotify. Nice. But the, 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 the Tiny Desk concerts uh, apparently go back all the way to 2002. I think I found mm. one. Yeah, there's a lot of older uh, ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's everything from Dram to... Or drum to uh, I, I even saw one for uh, the Blue Man Group. Yeah, I saw the Blue Man Group. Oh, one really? in there. Yeah, that one was super cool. Yeah, and we we bounced between some of the ones in the pre-show that I was watching, where you know Nickel Creek I, I looked at for a little bit, and Angel Olsen, and I've seen some other rappers on there. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a good little mashup of any type of music that you can find, uh, besides the band Mother Mother. Um, and I would recommend this specific one as well as the whole series. Yeah. They're they're about 20 minutes long, so it's a lot to take in, but you have the set list that they're going to sing, so you can skip a little bit if you want. Um, but yeah, we'll have that up in the show notes so everybody can check it out. Um, that's it for me. Mm. Right on. Well, uh, <clears throat> so my, my, my top of the moment here is wearables, specifically wearable technology. Smart watches and stuff like that. Wear tech. Um, wear tech. The reason this is on my mind is because this week the the there were some there were two watches that were announced and got a release date that are supposed to sort of like usher in not they're being touted as ushering in and like a new era in wearables, but they're really kind of the same old thing that we've yeah. seen over the last couple of years with just some kind of polished features. Like, one of them has uh, its own SIM card and stuff, so, like, you can completely use it completely separately of your phone. Like, so Fun. if you were going to go work out or whatever, you could just leave your phone, go out, 
and and that feature's been there before. But I don't know. I like I was a really early adopter of smartwatches. I had like the first two models that ever came out. <laughs> like before the Apple Watch, it was the first two Android Wear watches. Who was it? Samsung. Um, LG was one, and Motorola was another. Oh, cool. Samsung was close behind. Okay. Um, I think they were the third. Um, but like, I wore the first one for like, I don't know, maybe six months, probably not even. Um, and I wore the next one a little longer because it had a heart rate sensor, um, and I was like trying to get into working out and stuff at the time. But then I stopped wearing that one too after probably like a year mm-hmm. and then like these come out and I just like I'm, I'm interested yeah but it's like I don't know and then like you read stuff about like how Warren Buffett is like convinced that this is going to be like a huge thing like within the next couple of years and that right now everybody that's early adopting is just is quite is, is early adopting they're just ahead of the curve and like yeah. in two or three years it's going to be a huge booming sector of the market and I just don't, man. Every time, every time I've tried to use one, I just keep going back to like my badass like backpacking watch that I got like three years ago when I was working in New Mexico. Yeah. And it's just like, I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't. Know. I don't I've never had any interest in it. Mm-hmm. I am a self-described uh, late adopter. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I mean, I I'm slow to upgrade my phones. Yeah. Um, I keep them around for several years. Yeah. I just got back into wearing a regular Yeah, watch. and you like you like analog watches. Yeah. You like classic watches. Yeah. yeah. I like analog watches. I like um, a mechanical look. Mm. Mine, the one that I'm wearing right now is a, is a half, or it's a, uh, it's a half manual, half uh, automatic, mm. or whatever yeah. the, the actual watch terms are, <laughs> but you can see the gears yeah, in yeah. it. I like that way more than having my phone on my wrist at all times. Yeah. I, I'm happy when I lose my phone every once in a while and I don't have a phone for a couple of days. Uh, I can't get rid of a phone anymore. I could if it was like six years ago Yeah. and not have a phone for a while, but it's part of everyday life and unfortunately I need to use it, but I don't love it as much as other people love theirs. Yeah. I have a giant crack on mine yeah. <laughs> uh, and the screen is all screwed up and it's been like that for six months at least. Yeah, and you just deal with it. It's so crazy to me. Like, that would yeah. drive me insane. It just doesn't. But like, yeah. I don't know. I like really want to, you know, I'm I'm into technology and I'm into early adoption and I, I like really want to love these things but it's just every time I've tried it I've been burned. So it's just, you've only tried the watches though. Yeah, okay. I've never had, what, like, a Fitbit or anything. What else? So, Fitbit also goes around. Yeah, and Fitbit is, like, doing exceedingly well. Yeah. Well, that's well, a different thing, too. Like Yeah, entirely. I mean, they're I in the would, same space. I would have both a regular watch and a Fitbit if I was doing it. Yeah, and see, that's also, I don't know if I would do that. I don't know if I would want to wear a watch and wear a Fitbit. Yeah, it might be it's really hard. To, yeah, to I don't know. It also depends so much on, like, which one you get, because there's, like, the chunkier ones that, like, actually have time and, like, notifications and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like... What, oh, go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. I was going to say, so what other uh, what other examples of wearable... Because, I mean, we know all about, like, the yeah. wrist watches and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, what other examples of wearable tech is that the one what's the thing that goes around the back of your neck and then goes up into is that even like think, wearable no, tech no I think that, that well they have some or of those, those wireless like, headphones they're mostly wireless headphones okay. they have some that are like have smart features in them. gotcha yeah um, but, but Google like, Glass is yeah like, Google mm. Glass would be like the crazy experimental like super high yeah. end 
Um, and then, which a lot of people don't realize, but like there are certain companies that made contracts with Google that like use it in an enterprise setting. Oh. It's like extremely limited. Like yeah. there's probably less than a thousand people, I would guess, like using yeah. it at work. But like, so that'd be the crazy high end. And then like everything down to like, I guess you could even call the little Fitbits that you just like put in your pocket too, mm-hmm. <laughs> a wearable in some respects. But like Fitbit's been just killing it, blowing it out of the water. They bought a smartwatch company oh, really? called Pebble um, like a month or two ago. And they're going to roll that into their own thing. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I do think that wearable technology is going to be a thing. I just think that, like, people like Warren Buffett again say, like, it's like a couple of years, a few years. I think we might be a lot further. Because the I think the main limitation, and we'll end on this, I think the main limitation limitation is battery technology. I mean, yeah. the number one thing that's the, that's annoying about them is that they do not last. A, like, they'll last your work day, but that's about it. Like, they have to be charged nightly. And, like, if you forget to charge it, like, you're done. Whereas, like, the watch that I'm wearing right now and the watch that you're wearing, I mean, mine, I have to replace the battery, like, every year. But like, Yeah, I haven't come to that point yeah. yet on mine. I thought I was going to have to. Yeah. But, like, mine has all these crazy sensors and stuff on it. Mine drains the battery yeah. like crazy. But, like, yeah, I just, I can't have, I can't have something that's acting as, like, an everyday tool that I need to, like... I don't know. Something as simple as a, as something that wears on. I don't know because we do that with phones, though. I don't know. Yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's such a complicated. Basically, question. right. Uh, so uh, I know you wanted to end on it. But yeah, yeah. Just one last thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this. Have you ever heard of the cir- circle, uh, band? I think is what it's called. Yeah. Which supposed to like. So it was like a. It was like a crowdfunded uh-huh. idea, and like their claim was that you know uh, it would broadcast your like a touchscreen. Oh uh, yeah, 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 on your uh-huh. on your forearm. I've heard of that. Uh, and you, you could like touch it and blah blah blah. Yeah. And apparently they just like took everybody's money and just didn't do anything with it. Yeah. Oh, so really? like all the stuff that they, I think it's like C I R Q U E. No, that's Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, but it's like it's, I think it's called Circle. Um, but yeah, they, and they're still like working on a few things. But like the claim that they originally made years ago. And I only know this because of this uh, YouTube channel that I that I watch frequently, mm-hmm. Captain Disillusion. Check mm-hmm. him out. But they and they, like I said, they're working on like different uh, things to like to get it out, I guess. But yeah. like they just took everybody's money and yeah. aren't doing anything with it. <laughs> yeah, that happens all the time. That's a, yeah. yeah, vinyl. So we've talked about my vinyl subscription service which is just called vinyl vnyl mm-hmm. and they started on kickstarter as well mm-hmm. and they took everybody's money and then nobody got anything for a while and they it turned out they had like opened a storefront and then when they started sending vinyls out to everybody it was just, it just seemed like old backfill stuff that they couldn't get rid of and so uh. people were like this is so fake and now it's like not oh, now weird. it's obviously like it works i i've used it for almost six months now yeah, yeah. but uh similar thing people yeah. were like freaking out about that yeah yeah sorry it wasn't it, it, it isn't circle it's secret c-i-c-r-e-t i just i sent a link to you guys but uh yeah they just made like outrageous claims and then aren't able to back it up i would like to see something like that apparently it isn't really possible but yeah that's <laughs> enough of that <laughs> Right on. Well, uh, that does it for our top of the moment, and now um, we're going to move on to our main discussion topic. It's a heady one. 
It is a heavy yeah. one. And it was sparked a couple of weeks ago. It was, yeah. You said. Um, we we talked, and I think even before that, we had made, I mean, I think we, I specifically said it, we should yeah. do it, but like we've referenced it a, a number of times. So the, the question basically is, do you have to know everything about an artist like their backstory, the where they came from, their life their story, politics, in the, a sense. yeah, their things that they go for, what they care about, etc. Do you have to know all that stuff to fully appreciate the art that they produce? I think we probably all know our respective answers to this, but we were going to touch on a couple of examples that I think are are good examples to to discuss, um, and maybe we just start with the with the elephant in the room the one that everybody <laughs> talks about when this question is brought up yeah. or at least the people that are nerdy enough to bring this up um van gogh is mm-hmm. is one that's often cited in this question and the reason is because of all the pointillism and all that and the all of the research that's gone into his life after he died um all of the stuff that's been discovered about what conditions that he may have had um, perhaps most notably, notably some form of schizophrenia or porphyria, mm-hmm. um, and which, according to some people, could explain the style and the the tone of some of his painting. So yeah, that's that's like that's one that a lot of people drag out. <sighs> what I mean, what are you guys so? To add, just to add on top of that, uh, speaking of painters, Diego Rivera, the mm. the known spouse of uh, Frida Kahlo, one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing, like known, not not necessarily like mentally in the same capacity, right. but uh, known womanizer and just a cheat. In terms of paint, well, and he's kind of on a different scale from uh, Van Gogh because Van Gogh was years ago, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it, before like we got any pictures of him. So it, decades it would, ago, decades ago, <laughs> say, some say. Uh, so I, I will say, like, it depends because Van Gogh not really affected by it. Diego Rivera also not really affected by it. Um, and I don't know if it's because I hold their medium to a different standard as, you know, and we'll go over them later. But like as like a, a film star yeah. or a musical or yeah. musical musician. Well, I think the the differences here. Um, that we're talking about. So I think AMSB is, is kind of in a way making a different point than what you're making. I think you're looking at, at it as this person has done some negative things in their past. Yeah. And how does that affect how I view their art um, in a vacuum? Yeah. AMSB, bringing up the Van Gogh example, is can you really understand this art if you don't know who the man himself is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and I think that those are do those those are two dualities. Of yeah, this yeah, that's specific that's, those are two parts of this question. Yeah, but it's yeah. hard to lump both of those guys yeah, together, yeah, yeah. Um, other than the obvious painting examples. Yeah. Um, I think Diego wraps uh, perfectly into one of the the people that um, started that kicked off this in, in previous episodes, and that is what's recently happened with Casey Affleck, where news is coming out about. Um, issues that he's had with in his past and charges that have been filed against him um, and how we appreciate his work in that light. And I think both of those guys, it, it becomes much... It's much harder to me to appreciate their work 
and I know I know less about Diego Riviera than you do for sure by mm. by far, but it becomes harder for me to appreciate their work. Van Gogh, it's hard for me to appreciate his work because I don't know what it's like to to be like that. You know, I I can't. Is would his paintings would Starry Night mean that much more to me if I was myself schizophrenic or if I struggled with those same things? Like, it's beautiful, and so by sight you can see his work and see that it's really beautiful, but to to get that meaning becomes much more difficult. I think. Mm. Yeah, I I think this is a question that like if you'd asked me. Gosh, I mean, um, like maybe almost ten years ago, if you'd asked me my early twenties like early, early 20s, like 2021, 22, how I felt about this, I probably would have said, yes, you absolutely need to know everything that you can, and if you don't, you're missing something. Like, you may, you may, uh, you may listen to, listen to a record by a particular artist or a painting or what have you, and you may enjoy it, and you may love it, and it may be one of the may, your favorite things, but if you don't know the full story of that person's life, and I don't mean the full, full story, right. every little detail, but, like, if you don't know, like, what that person was going through, like, I'll use my example. If you don't know what Rivers Cuomo was doing with his life while he was writing and recording Pinkerton, you're missing an understanding of what Pinkerton is. Yeah. Now, again, that's probably what how I would have answered that question ten years ago. Now I don't know that I feel that way so much. Mm. And I, I don't know if that's a, a, a side effect of just having aged, or if it's a refinement in taste, or if it's just an understanding that, like, if you do that, it's exhausting. <laughs> so I, I know what you're saying, and I, and I agree with you. I would have been the exact same way in my younger years that, yeah, of course, you got to know everything about this person to fully understand their art. But as I, as I have grown, I definitely think that you have to look at those as two different things. Like, Chris, you used Starry Night uh, as an example earlier. I didn't know, before tonight, I didn't know anything as far as Van Gogh's, like, mm-hmm. you know, mental health or schizophrenia yeah, yeah. or anything like that. But I still look, even knowing that now, I still look at Starry Night the exact same way. I still yeah. look at all of his paintings the exact same way. So you really have to, you, you have to separate the two, disassociate the two. Yeah, I, I sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I think the chronology is really important too. Like, mm-hmm. if... When you talk about Van Gogh, you're talking about somebody that was a long time ago. Right. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like... you, Because you're right. Like, I've been... Like, maybe not hyper-aware, but I've been aware of all those claims and stuff about him for a long time. But you're right. When I look at Starry Night or The Hands of the Peasants, like, I don't, it doesn't change how I interpret that medium no. or interpret that piece of work. Yeah. But now somebody that's in more recent memory and with with the kind of 24-7 celebrity news culture that we have, I think it's harder to not let it affect the way you view something. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't... Oh, go ahead. I, I think that... <clears throat> so a point that I was going to make, I, I completely agree with you. I do not think that you need to know everything about the artist to really truly appreciate uh, their art. I think... Art itself, my, my philosophy that I've held about art uh, since I was younger is that art is created in a vacuum. So what the artist's 
immediate intent was might not necessarily matter to you. It's how you react to the art. Um, so what matters in the appreciation of the art, I feel, is just that you have an emotional reaction to it or that you appreciate it or that you feel something. Yeah. However, there is kind of a, a, a situation where I, th- I say... Yeah, you you do need to know what's going on with the artist to really appreciate it. And that's an autobiographical work. So, in paintings where Van Gogh is painting himself. Uh, or even, like, and, and I don't know if this is actually true because I'm not familiar with his work, but if Diego Riviera is, is painting Frida, mm-hmm. you should know about what's going on in, the, in behind the scenes to truly... Um, understand so, that potentially. So to like extend that logic, like if anybody is doing a portrait of anybody, not necessarily because, uh, for instance, um, Rembrandt. Mm-hmm. So when he when Rembrandt did his self portraits of just people in, uh, you know, in, in his city, um, high ranking officials, low ranking people, uh, the Night's Watch or whichever one that 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 painting is called. I can't remember the mm-hmm. name, and we'll find we'll find it yeah. later. But you don't necessarily need to, to know what's going on for Rembrandt at the time. It might help to know what's going on in, in the city. Yeah. But I mean when, uh, for instance, Van Gogh is looking at himself in a mirror. Or he's painting something where he's looking at himself. What does Van Gogh see yeah. in himself? Uh, so that. Chuck Close's stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, his are all portraits. He just does portraits. Yeah. Uh, I don't really think that I need to know what's going on with Chuck Close other than the fact that he's, like, blind now. Um, and so it's really impressive when he does stuff. That That's it. But, like, his... And potentially with Chuck Close is that he never uses the same medium once. So you should know that as you move into, like, progressing through watching or looking at his art. But, no, I just think when an artist takes the time to look inside themselves so overtly and obviously where they're not using necessarily an allegory a story to to show that and to live through um if they are just looking inwards upon themselves then that's something Mm. that i think that you would benefit you don't need to but i think there would be some benefit to to knowing yeah more about that so uh it's called the night watch so you you had it right um so if I understand what you're saying, Chris, uh, so you have the same uh, artist, and he does a self-portrait versus just a portrait of whoever. Yeah. Uh, are you saying that the self-portrait, you don't necessarily need to know about the person versus... Oh, no, it was you, yeah. ASB, that, yeah, yeah. that was saying that like you need to know the history of those two people. No, I was saying... Oh, was I was you? saying was you? Yeah, I was saying specifically in a situation... So, like, when Chuck Close takes... A, does a portrait mm-hmm. in a specific medium of say somebody that he just knows off the street in New York uh, there's a difference between if Diego Rivera is doing one on Frida yeah somebody you know what I'm saying somebody yeah, yeah. that's like so tightly okay, wound into yeah, their yeah, life yeah, yeah. yeah who actually have a history yes yeah okay. yeah, yeah. yeah so I, in, in like I like I'm saying like I, there's you can feel whatever you want for that. And that means that you, in a way, are appreciating it. Um, But I think that you will gain more appreciation if you understand that history. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Because if you don't understand that history, there's a solid chance that you'll see uh, 
a portrait that, and I don't, is it, can you correct me if I'm wrong, has Diego Rivera ever done, I mean, he's done portraits of Frida, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there's a chance that people would see this portrait of this artist, and they might be like, oh, that's like an amazing artist, Diego is, um, this is a cool portrait that he did of some woman. Yeah. You know? So, let me, let me play devil's advocate here. Okay. Can't, can't you, can't you carry on that logic, that, that, that line of reasoning to any piece of art? Yeah, you can. I, and I, I guess what you're saying is that that is the only context in which you may do that. You personally. No, I just think that that's the context where you'll get the most benefit. So, I think that there is a benefit in all mediums where understanding what the artist is doing will help you but it's not the be all end all of so okay so maybe we so is it is it necessary in in the self portrait portrait um, example that you're using is that knowledge that extra knowledge necessary to fully appreciate that piece of art mm I think because I think that's the real crux of the issue is like yeah I mean I think you can you like I mean like you were saying you can definitely make the argument that the more knowledge you have it enriches your experience of yeah. that piece of art but do you need do you need to know everything in order to just appreciate it mm, I think when you when you when you break it down and you say it like that I think you probably do not know yeah. yeah. I think that there is a great benefit to it. Mm. Um, but yeah, a lot of it depends on how you're wording that question. Like, yeah. Yeah. do you need it? It Does it help you understand the painting? Yeah. Does it, is it absolutely necessary to understand it as a beautiful painting or as, as to appreciate that it is great art? Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier. That's yeah. what I was saying earlier. It said, like, you, you kind of have to separate the two. But... Uh, uh, knowing every aspect, I think that what, like you said, like, well, it's, it, it's going to enrich it, and and you'll you know yeah. have better understanding. I don't think it's imperative. Uh, yeah. If you're looking at um, a portrait, and it's a portrait of, for example, lovers going back to the Frida and, and mm-hmm. uh, Diego Rivera, uh, is yeah. that where they're side by side, like sitting down? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Um, I, there's plenty. They're yeah, they they sat a lot. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of sitting. Um, but yeah, uh, I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Um, but one I really wanted to get on is because it's yeah. A let's more, talk about some other ones. Yeah, it's yeah. a little more uh, a little more current. Um, Wait, can we before we get in there? Can I do this? Yeah. Sorry. So I looked up a, one painting that I thought is is on the opposite spectrum, where I think that it, it fully does help you to know more about okay uh, the painter in his situation, mm-hmm. who he is, what he, what he's doing, and that's Las Meninas. Which is, uh, and I'll show you, and we'll we'll have it up there. But it's this worldly famous painting of this little princess getting her dress put on her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's by uh, Diego Velasquez. Uh, but I watched a video from the Nerd Writer, who's one of my favorites, yeah. and I shared that with you. Yeah, we watched Nate. it. Um, but finding all of these secrets that. Diego Velasquez like put into the painting and it could be it could be argued that this actually backs up my point 
where this is an autobiographical one because there's argument yeah. that like who is, is that Diego Velasquez there and like is he in the mirror is that him mm-hmm. yeah uh, so so it adds to it but there's so much history between him and the royal family in Spain at the time that a situation like that in you know um, Pablo Picasso's Guernica where you, yeah. you have to know stuff that's like going on there and it really it really helps mm. but um, it becomes yeah. it's hard I mean you can see Guernica and have a real emotional reaction to it yeah. without knowing anything about so what sure. was happening at the Be- time before we saw that video of the nerd writer for the the Las Meninas because uh, he and he goes into everything, mm-hmm. every little aspect that you would just like. You would think, oh, there's just a person like back there, like in the door frame yeah, or whatever. Like, and he goes in, the importance. Yeah, you would never know, but uh, that person is like so important and it has their own story, and there's a reason why they're there, and there's a reason why they're in the back door frame. Uh, we we love Nerdwriter, but uh, and go watch that video. But uh, I had no before I saw that video, I had no idea. You can, yeah. you can tell that it's the artist in the mirror uh, doing the painting and he's like looking in the mirror, etc. Um, but I had no idea every aspect of that painting. There's a, there's a story behind every aspect. There's a reason why every aspect of that painting is there. Mm. It's incredible. Cool. Yeah. So, again, sorry for cutting yeah, you off. Yeah, let's, let's move on. Right. Oh, sorry, yeah, so, yeah, so one of the big ones and a little more current um, is Mel Gibson. Uh, now this was this because we're kind of posing two questions here. One, do you know? Do you have to know everything about an artist to fully appreciate the art? And does uh, does the the artist's personal life yeah. affect how you feel about their art? Sure. Yeah. Um, and I think Mel Gibson is one that is huge. Um, people love him. People hate him. He's a very polarizing figure. Yeah, absolutely. And he's kind of making a comeback. Uh, most recently, uh, it was Hacksaw Ridge, right? Correct. Yeah, he's nominated. He just came out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's got a, a, a bunch in the pipeline. But he's finally making a comeback. And to be honest with you, I'm glad. Because yeah. as a director, as a filmmaker, uh, as a writer, he's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, Putting his and that's the whole idea of the story, but or the uh, this show, putting his personal life aside and seeing what he can actually produce and what he can make, there's no wonder why he's nominated. Yeah, yeah, and has won many, many times. Yeah, I have. I struggle. I think I struggle more than maybe some than either of you guys do with separating that. Yeah, not just with Mel Gibson, but with some other people as well. Um, it, it's hard for me to to su- support them. With with Hacksaw Ridge, it's more of just I don't really care to see a movie about right. a pacifist in World War Two. I, I can take yeah, I can take less World War Two movies if necessary. Uh, but that's a separate deal altogether. Mm-hmm. It's I I don't really want to. There's not much in this world that I f- I feel there's more I could be doing to help the people around me. But I really do feel like one thing that I could do right now is not give a person that I think is kind of shitty my money. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and and that's just like one way that, that I look at it is, you know, I'm not doing anybody any favors. Yeah. But I'm not like, you know, throwing myself into the... Are like throwing more money for them into sure you know the, to bankroll the same feelings and to not really change if he, if he if he 
really made a change that was like clear to everybody and there's I don't know how it, it would become clear it's hard for like a celebrity to, to like yeah. make that not seem like they just want to be stay famous yeah yeah then I would be like okay because there should be some room for change in these situations to, yeah. for growth so I, I think we're we're straying into the territory of we're now talking basically about the second half of that right. of the question yeah does does a person's personal life affect how you see this? For me personally, I draw a really really fine line between people who, uh, like just sort of, like if if you're talking about just like a from a person, you know, because the thing that we might be dancing around a little bit is like genuinely people identify with and are happy to give money to uh, artists whose political beliefs they agree with yeah and i draw like personally i draw a fine line between people who just have sort of like taken a stance because they were asked or just because you know or they like made their personal feelings known uh on social media or something like no matter which direction it goes i i draw i draw a fine line between that and then the like forcing it like yeah. forcing those 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 opinions and forcing those uh, messages and forcing that influence upon the audience or upon the particular or the potential audience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I got no problem with people who have opinions that are different than mine, mm-hmm. but it's it's when they start proselytizing about it and when they start <laughs> making it a part of their like, I know that's... This sounds really bad. I don't mean making it a part of their art, meaning, like, they can't write a song about how they hate the president or whatever. Yeah. I just mean, like, they make it a part of their... They use it to sell records. Or they yeah. use it to sell themselves as a brand. They use it because they know it's popular. Or they use it because they know it's going to lock them in with a certain group. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I draw a fine line. I know I keep circling back. I draw a fine line between that and then just people who I super respect their art, but I super disagree with them on basically everything else. I can I can deal with that. Yeah, <clears throat> I think. I mean, I agree. I'm not gonna not support someone because they view, for instance, politics. I mean, that's the biggest hot button issue that we like have right mm. now. I'm not gonna. Like, okay, there's not a lot of people who are, like, outwardly, that are famous, that aren't, like, work for Fox News or something, that are outwardly supporting Donald Trump. Yeah. So my quick example is just Scott Baio, because he was at the, like, RNC, Mm -hmm. correct? I'm not going to be like, I'm never going to watch Charles in Charge again, (laughs) because Scott Baio supports Donald Trump. Right. Um, However, there's... Mel Gibson, it's, whoa, this guy hates people of color and a specific culture of people. I can't, I can't rightfully blindly give this person my money or or support or enjoy his art in the same way. Like, there'll always be something in the back of my mind that's like, this guy is shitty. Yeah, there's a difference between being, like, a Republican and being, like... 
a Jewish person. (laughs) Yeah. uh, It's one thing to hate, like, oh, I don't like Republicans, but you can't say the same for, like, a race of people. Yeah. Um, Another one, going back, uh, is Kelsey Grammer, actually. Mm -hmm. Huge Republican, and I had no idea until a couple years after, like, watching him. I'd never really watched Frasier, but watching him on, like, Simpsons Mm -hmm. as uh, Sideshow Bob and et cetera, et cetera. But, um... Yeah, I, when you mentioned uh, Scott Pale, I wanted to throw Kelsey Grammer yeah. in there as well. Yeah. And I think part of that, it stems from, truthfully, it stems, stems from, like, how upsetting you rate their fault. So, if you think that, and I mean, obviously not you, this is the royal you, anybody. Right. right. Uh, the theoretical you. If you rate political views and the differences therein higher than the treatment of women then you know obviously you're gonna side with somebody and you're gonna appreciate somebody's art that more likely like how am I I'm trying to say this better so like okay we'll take Casey Affleck and we'll take Scott Bayo or like Kelsey Grammer right right um outwardly speaking about their political beliefs. So, like, there are definitely people in the world that are going to say that's worse than that. Yeah, yeah. Than Casey Affleck. That they'll say that that them coming out and being supportive of the Republican Party, or Democratic Party, either one, doesn't matter, is worse than Casey Affleck, you know, hitting women and sexually assaulting women. Allegedly. Allegedly. And that's very hard. I mean, that's another that's another thing is at what point when it's alleged and it's not proven, yeah. at what point do you stop holding it against them? It's a very tricky Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think tough. the point that you're making though is you're just you're you're echoing again that everyone does this. Yeah. And you do so according to your own yeah, it's biases right. and your own predilections about what you think and yeah. how you view the world. And yeah. so it's it becomes <laughs> this like harder thing where people will then chastise you for not supporting this person because you yeah. are against their belief in this thing. It, it's this clusterfuck, basically. Well, I, I think that the point that you're making is extremely important, and I think that it gets lost mm. basically 90% of the, 99% of the time. Because what, what, what really personally ticks me off more than anything else is some people pretending like they're making those types of decisions or making those types of associations that that it's devoid of any ideology or it's mm-hmm. devoid of any like you're saying preconceived notions about the world or pre-held biases or you know just their 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 natural predilections to how they feel about this one side pretending that it's all practical and that it's uh you know very disciplined and very scientific mm-hmm. and the and then casting aspersions on the the people on the other side of the coin because it's so emotional and inflamed and so base and so old yeah you know what i mean yeah, yeah. Um, it's just if I, you know if people if people i think were more honest like you were just being yeah i think if people were were more honest about how they view these situations it'd be a lot less inflammatory yeah <clears throat> i don't from me personally i don't try to 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 do that I don't try to like hold I mean I know that like I'm an infallible person too and I know that like I fallible yeah I'm also infallible (laughs) like I'm both fallible and infallible it's weird yeah thank you (laughs) 
Uh, I'm fallible. Uh, I make mistakes every flipping day. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm content in the beliefs that I have. Um, and as it pertains to artists and their art in this specific idea of they've done something wrong, do I support their art? Do I enjoy it? I think for me, it's a square answer. No, it's, it, it takes years. It mm. takes, I think, years for me to, to forget or to forgive. Because it's, I mean, they're not, if it was somebody that I knew, it becomes easier. It's harder to forgive a celebrity. It's harder to forgive someone who's wealthy, wealthier than you, more successful than you, yeah. that you don't even know. If, for instance, one of you did something that I viewed reprehensible, it might take years for me to be able to interact with you and see you in the same light. But because we're in a way connected and that we have our circles that like intertwine, eventually there's a solid chance that that would be forgiven. Mm-hmm. It becomes, it's so much di- more difficult to do that for a celebrity and their output of art, I think. Mm-hmm. So uh, one that, because you mentioned that like sometimes this hap- this happens where they don't actually do something wrong. Uh, it just doesn't agree with you, right? Uh, so another big one, that, and it's recent, like within the last day or so, Stephen Colbert. We all love Stephen Colbert. He's hilarious, right? I mean, I just spoke for you guys. <laughs> I'd, imagine, I'd imagine you would think Stephen Colbert is... is I, I do, and I'm not familiar with this. So. I, uh, okay. I'm, I like Now it. I'm giving a tentative answer of, I don't know, maybe... Okay. I'm hot and cold on him. I think that he's had his moments of sheer brilliance, and I think he's had his moments of... Yeah. We all liked him when he was on Comedy Central. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Where he's at now. But I found out uh, a couple of days ago that he's... And uh, I don't know why I do this, and it is not fair. I I guess it's just the human condition. But uh, Stephen Colbert, I had no idea, is is a super religious person Mm. uh, who I am not. So he uh, he had Ricky Gervais on, and they debated... Uh, pretty heavily, Ricky Gervais is known atheist. Uh, yeah, one d- of the most like famous yeah. celebrities, at least. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and they debated like the existence of God. And I, I guess I just assumed, because politically, Stephen Colbert and I, or what I assume, I, I guess now I should tread lightly, that we had similar beliefs mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like our political outlook. And now, like hearing this, I mean, I still love Stephen Colbert. I think he's hilarious. But seeing this now, I'm just like, okay, he's just like super religious person. And I know it's completely wrong of me to do so. But now I'm like, okay, I see him kind of in a different light. And I don't know if you guys even knew I that mean, he was I like, didn't, super I didn't, religious. I had a little knowledge of that because I'd seen oh, okay. him. I forget what it was. I saw him on something and he talked like extremely briefly about briefly. it. Um, Again, this is an example of what we were talking about, right? Yeah. Like, mm. this is this is individual, uh, like, for lack of a better word, prejudices. Right. Like, rearing their, their oh, ugly heads, right? It's absolutely like, prejudice, yeah, yeah. 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 And it's that's interesting. I mean, I, I don't... And again, like, it, it also depends a lot on, like, how highly... You know, the higher in regard you have someone, the, you know, the greater the fall, right? right? Like, mm-hmm. you... The more it hurts. Yeah, the more it hurts when you just when you discover. I've I've experienced this. Yeah. I, I can't think of a, an example. Maybe I will during the course of this conversation. I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but that's happened to me sometimes. 
And I don't think like people should feel super bad about it. I mean, it's <sighs> so I should I should feel okay. Just, I mean, you, I think you mean I should specifically feel in the religious act aspect. Of no, it? no. I mean, I mean any any kind of any any person any celebrity. Let's just celebrity or artist right. mm-hmm. that you hold in high regard, and you find out something about them that you find objectionable. Yeah, I feel like that's happened to most people. Yeah. Um, it's definitely happened to me. Especially and the longer you follow them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I just think if people... It, again, this goes back to being honest about what it is. You know what I mean? Like, if you if you recognize that, and it sounds like you do, yeah. and, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think people should feel... I, I draw another line here. <laughs> like, I don't think you should feel bad about feeling that way. But then, like, if you were to suddenly just, like go on social media and, like, tear him a new one and, like, can't, like, just viciously campaign against him because of, in light of this new information. I think that, that would be, for me, that would be a different... Well, and there there are levels. This is, this is something admittedly very minor. Um, Sure. He, you know, he's a religious person... And I don't but, hate him. But for the people, it. but the people that are that, are, that have the most egregious, the, in your view, the people yeah. that have the most egregious offenses in things like this, you're probably not a fan of anyway. You know what I mean? I guess so. I mean, if you knew what they're what they're well, going back to Mel Gibson, I, I think he's a phenomenal filmmaker. But mm-hmm. like we've talked about at length here, he's kind of an asshole, kind of a, yeah. a deplorable person. Right. Um, and for some reason, that doesn't. I, I can I for I can separate I can see a Mel Gibson movie, uh, and I guess now that you mentioned I haven't seen one since like Gosh, all of this Christ. came out. Yeah, uh, I think Apocalypto was the last oh, one yeah. of mm-hmm. his that I saw, and I think that's the last one that he made before all this came uh, out. I believe so. Yeah. He was in the he was in he was starred in movies. Yeah, but, uh, but he hasn't directed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't seen any of those either, like uh, Gringo or Beaver or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't seen any of those, so I guess maybe I should hold off until I connect because I, I want to see Hacksaw Ridge and yeah, haven't seen yeah. it because for whatever reason mm-hmm. um, and I guess I should hold off on saying so until after I see a Mel Gibson movie yeah. uh, because you know acting's one thing but directing it I hold that in high, you know higher esteem yeah. um, so I, should, I guess I should hold off but as of right now I'm like yeah I want to see that I don't care if that it's a Mel Gibson movie even though separately I can see Mel Gibson and be like yeah you you suck you're a fucking asshole yeah. um but see, that seems like another slippery, slippery slope to go down. Is that, and, and maybe this wasn't in, wasn't your intent, but the way I kind of took it is, let's wait and see if the movie's good, and then I'll decide if I, and I know this isn't necessarily what you meant, but then I'll decide if I think that Mel Gibson is reprehensible. Yeah, yeah I so mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I think what more what you're getting at is like. You Will know that stuff. Do. You have reservations, yeah. but you still want to see the movie because you respect his skills. Yeah, film exactly. Yeah, it's not necessarily it's... like you're gonna wait to dis- to see if you like the movie or not to decide whether or not you think he's an asshole. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's more of like, yeah. how do I feel knowing that this person who directed this and essentially uh, created this this piece of art, mm-hmm. um, this two and a half hour piece of art, it if I still see that at the end, if I still see that the same way and it would be hard to say that I would or wouldn't like if I if I went into a Mel Gibson movie not knowing that it was Mel Gibson would I feel the same coming out of it like oh that's a great movie versus oh that would have been a great movie if it wasn't for Mel Gibson I think that that brings up an interesting point is 
what it seems like it's it might be happening is that and again i i don't think that this is bad necessarily but that you're using the art to justify the act in a way that it's less about can i appreciate this art because this person has done this bad thing and it's will this art make this person doing this bad thing all right right and not all right but like less of an issue for me yeah but i mean i mean it's hard to it's, yeah yeah it's, it's, it, it's a slippery it's a slippery slope to like go down yeah. because it, either one is maybe a narrow-minded choice that the 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 way that would be like the most like open would you just be like either way i don't care i've got blinders on there's art and then there's other shit and the other shit won't impact this shit and this shit won't impact the other shit it's just this like if you keep them separated you can appreciate the art and you can hate the person and they don't ever intertwine but that's so hard to that's, do that and that's it what is i strive to do, to yeah, do. Yeah. Absolutely I, hard to I think do. that's and i think we probably all agree mm-hmm. that's kind of the goal that's the best that's the scenario yeah. it's like you judge it based on its merit yeah. like you judge that individual piece of art for what it is and nothing else and you don't let any other externalities interfere with your opinion of it yeah. the problem is is that as humans it's basically yeah. impossible right. and, and <laughs> that was probably well that was probably way more possible I mean not probably it was way more possible 50 years ago oh yeah not Absolutely. even 20 Absolutely. years yeah. ago it's it's <sighs> It's gotten exponentially harder to yeah, do that. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And it's not even necessarily... It's not even necessarily a, your fault that that's happening. It's... No, yeah. It's, it's just all kind these of the, outside It's kind of the world we live in. Yeah. yeah, that are either telling you, A, this person's bad, don't support their stuff, or like, this stuff's so good, those people are wrong, and it's just an incessant cesspool of misinformation and information yeah. and telling you how to feel about this art and this person this person is it's just berating you in yeah. the face and it's it's difficult um in the the greatest hope that you can ever have is yeah. that somehow you're able to differentiate and make those decisions and, the, and about then, the art yourself and not to repeat ourselves but then the other side of that coin is everybody has their own little moral code everybody has mm-hmm. their own yeah. principles by which they live and there are some things that some people won't get past. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. It really is okay. One of the great things about our environment is freedom of association. It's yeah. you don't have to see that movie if you don't want to. If you want to deny Mel Gibson his money, you can. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's the and all beautiful things. Alternatively, and uh, I don't want to go too too far into this one, but alternatively, there are those that uh, you don't agree with, and then you find out, or their their art you don't agree with, and then you find out uh, their personal life. They're not who you thought they were, so then suddenly you agree with them and yeah. you look at their art in a different way. Right. I, I don't know if you guys are guilty of this. I am, especially with uh, the Dixie Chicks going way back. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if they're a band anymore, and I can't even name a single song of theirs, but I know that like the Dixie Chicks music is not something that I would be interested in. But when they spoke out against Bush, Bush mm-hmm. I was like, hell yes. Okay, yeah. I can get behind these guys. And I saw them at, in a totally different light. This is like, like I said, going way back to like middle school days. If you guys, yeah, know. I remember because 
I, you know, and I grew up in a house similar to yours that was yeah. very heavily religious. It was the opposite. It was, and I didn't really care about the Dixie Chicks either, but it was the total opposite route where it was like they spoke out, everybody hated them. Yeah. And like that's what I grew up with was the Dixie Chicks. Like all of a sudden everybody hated. Yeah. You know, I, and that's like all of a sudden you like like the. Dixie well, that's Chicks. me. Yeah, that's me that's personally. Me. My yeah, my yeah. household was just like yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. And, and yeah. my perspective on it was. I don't really like the music. I, I mean, why, why? Like, they they can say that, but like, why did they? You just alienated yeah. a shit ton of your fans. Like, yeah. why did you do that? Well, I mean, it's good for you, I guess, yeah. for exercising your right to free speech. But that was not super smart. It's personal. Like, yeah, from just like a, a, a enterprising financially, yeah, yeah like, because like standpoint. That was my thing. I was yeah, just like, yeah. why would you do that? Ultimately, financially, <laughs> it does make a lot less sense if yeah. you're a country band don't alienate 95% of your audience by doing that because while the other sides <laughs> will like gross, you they're not paying money generalizations for here. they're not going back and buying all of your discography like they're you're not gonna yeah you're not financially making well it's your Bud Light drinkers and your, your white trash beer drinkers <laughs> uh shit well <laughs> ready for some, the- some other Interesting examples of the whole question that we started with. Yes. For me, one of them is Beethoven. Like, the Ninth Symphony was purportedly composed by the time he had gone completely deaf. Yeah. And, I mean, you look at that, and that is basically, by all accounts, one of the greatest pieces of art that has ever been made by a single human being that's ever walked the planet. It's music, and the man was deaf when he wrote it. Yeah, it's like... uh, (laughs) Akira Kurosawa's Ron. Yeah. Where he's blind. Yeah, yeah. And he just describes... Same sort of thing. Yeah. But, like, I just... You know, that to me... It's not... Again, it's, like, not something that you need to be... You don't have to be aware of that to understand the beauty of that. Appreciate the beauty of it. But it's It's kind of cool to read about the day that in Vienna, I think it was, he conducted the orchestra. Yeah. In a performance of that symphony. And that apparently, after it ended, he still was conducting. And the person assisting him had to, like, tap him on the shoulder and be like, hey, dude, chill. It's like, okay. Yeah, yeah, and he turned around to a standing ovation that he like, couldn't hear. That he couldn't hear. It's yeah. just stuff like that is cool, but again, you don't need to you don't know, need to know. necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. But it does, it does uh, enrich it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I and think, you go, oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. I think what we accomplished today was just not that we found an answer to this question we found a lot of loopholes and a lot of yeah. different situations to interpret it yeah. and there's some times where you don't need to appreciate the art or the to i'm sorry there's sometimes where you don't need to know everything about the artist to appreciate the art and there's sometimes there it would really help you it yeah, would really so, make it good uh when you uh amsb you first posed this topic when you first posed uh, the question do you have to know everything about an artist to fully appreciate the art i was it was a resounding any about the first of this uh podcast it was a resounding no absolutely yeah, yeah. not you should be able to separate the two True. but now uh through this conversation and i hope the same is for the listener but through this conversation i'm now the answer like, is it depends yeah i guess it depends <laughs> maybe yeah it might be nice to do a little bit more research yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think also, just small note, small footnote, it's one, it's kind of a self-fulfilling uh, question, mm-hmm. self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, if you love something, this is, this is the thing I, I discovered about myself anyways. Like, if you discover something that you love, 
you will absorb every single piece of information you can get your hands on about it. Yeah. So like Pinkerton, to go back to my original example, Pinkerton, one of my favorite records of all time. When I discovered that record, I read books about it. I read everything I could read online. I read people's theories about what it meant. With Inception, I read for like months after Inception came out, I like read theories about what this means and what, you know, and and all the accounts of like how long it took the Nolans to write it and like yeah. I just I, I immersed myself in that and that's I think an interesting little tidbit that we kind of glossed over which is that like again it's an individual thing but like if you end up loving something this question's irrelevant yeah <laughs> the question of whether or not you need to know everything is you're irrelevant because you're just gonna do it yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> love it or hate it yeah, yeah. yeah. and then, that's the beauty of it yeah because everything is so subjective you can't I, as much as I want to love and see and view and hear all art hmm. I can't yeah. and it's impossible <laughs> and I have like major uh, gaps well especially yeah. with that attitude dude <laughs> you really gotta buckle down and like get to art and that's a good point <laughs> yeah absolutely alright well um, uh, we've reached the part of the show where we talk about what we're working on for writerdie.net Nate what are you working on so right now I'm I'll, I'll actually be going to a venue, which is I'm super excited about. Finally, a, a live show in the live music capital of the world, the beautiful live music <laughs> capital of the world that is Austin. Uh, I'll finally be going to a show. I won't uh, say any more about it, but uh, kind of tease it there. But uh, if you haven't already, go check out my most recent post. Uh, if you like Chinese food, go check out my most recent post about Old Thousand because it's a beautiful, wonderful little shop, uh, shop little restaurant here <laughs> in uh, Austin. Uh, doing Chinese food just sprung up overnight like a patch of weeds. Um, <laughs> Sweet. What about you, Chris? Um, well, I will have a album review for the Canadian band Mother Mother um, up on Treble, hopefully pretty soon. Um, and so then I will share that to Vinyl Fluid um, for our, all our dear readers. Um, it it tilts. The album is called No Culture. It's their sixth studio album. It tilts pretty negative. <laughs> um, so if you're interested, uh, give it a look. We'll have it up pretty soon. As soon as uh, as soon as they post it to Treble, I'll go ahead and um, post it with my usual uh, subtitle that you can find it on Treble as well as on Vinyl Fluid. Um, I'm excited to hear about who you're off off uh, audio about who Nate's off going mic. to off <laughs> mic uh, who Nate's going to see live. Yeah, dude. Uh, it's going to be Saturday, which is in two days. But nice. yeah, I'll yeah. tell you. Uh, well, I'm working on a piece uh, that is a reactionary piece, as I want to write. To um, my negative mother, mother <laughs> review? No, no, no. No, it's to, um, to a piece that appears in a, at, at a site that I love to follow, and I oftentimes find myself hating TechCrunch. So it's a piece at TechCrunch that I will be addressing. Uh, and you can look out for that at riderdie.net slash multimeter. That'll be coming out in the next few days. Uh, also, you can follow me on Twitter at AMSB. And a reminder that you can always email us, riderdieblog at gmail.com. You can let us know what you thought about what we talked about today. Uh, or you can just tell us how much you love us, how much you hate us, uh, how much you don't care about us, any of that. Um, and you can always find us at writerdie.net and you can follow us all on social media. Our handle is writerdieblog on most platforms. And with that, 
we bid you adieu. Edgy. Bye. Edgy. I do. I do marry you.